Hello, hello, beautiful Fill Your Cup family, and welcome back to another episode of Fill Your Cup. My name is Emily Marie, and I am your host, and I am so excited that you are tuning in with me today for this episode. This is such a special episode for me to share, for me to have held space for. Um, I have my girl Alex Hill on Fill Your Cup today. Alex is one of my friends for just five years, five plus years. We met a while ago playing softball, traveling to Europe together, and we became instant besties, um, and our relationship has just strengthened from there. Through the years, Alex... um, actually experienced breast cancer, being diagnosed at a really young age, experiencing what that was like moving through her own journey and eventually battling and overcoming and winning that. So that is what today's episode is all of the all about in honor of October. I know it's like almost November as this is going out, but we did record this in October. Um, and in honor, as I was saying, of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, in honor of Bridget Rose Apothecary, the Rose Codes October box, which was, um, which was a way for me to really honor my mom, Bridget of Bridget Rose, and her journey with breast cancer that she didn't win, um, that she ended up losing. But it was a really beautiful way for me to experience what she may have moved through in her own journey, what she may have experienced for me to really like viscerally feel like, whoa, like that may may have been like what her diagnosis felt like. Um, And yeah, just such a beautiful way for me to honor her, um, to honor breast cancer um, and to hold space for my friend Alex to share her story in full. This is the first time, y'all, that she shared it in full. um, So it was a pretty special experience for her, too. So with all of that being said, my only announcement as usual is around Bridget Rose. The November subscription boxes are still available. Um, All about abundance codes. So excited to start to ship those out the beginning of next week so that you will receive them beginning of November um, so that you can use the tools in there, the sacred self-care tools through the month of November because they are attuned, aligned to the cosmic movements that we are going to be shifting through um, in November. They are supportive tools to help you activate your abundance to help you remind you of how abundant you are um, to help you really anchor into these codes that are coming through to mm, manifest what you truly desire to call in to magnetize what you freaking want it is time and these tools are supportive for that in the month of november and all the other things that we're going to be moving through so with out me talking any more link is down below in the show notes to go reserve your box um, just fill out the form and I will reach back to you shortly these systems are gonna get um, a lot more automated very soon um, but again without me talking much longer because this is already a long episode let's get right into it make sure to go check Alex out over on her Instagram girl with a full life her info is down in the show notes below And yes, enjoy, Fill Your Cup family. Hello, hello, beautiful Fill Your Cup family, and welcome back to another episode of Fill Your Cup. 
My name is Emily Marie, your host, and today is a guest episode. I feel like it's been a minute since I've had a guest on here, um, so I'm happy it's not just me today. I'm so freaking excited, which seems to be the word of the morning, excited to have my girl Alex Hill. I didn't know if I was going to say your last name, so that sounded awkward, <laughs> but I got my girl Alex here, and Alex and I, I'm just going to say, are definitely besties. We met um, how many years ago now? Should we not age ourselves? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, uh, five, six years ago now? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's sad, six. because that was, was junior year of ago. college <laughs> for me. Um, so, yeah, six years oh, ago. We met in, well, first New York, but really we were going to travel to play some softball um, in Europe. And so it was so fun how we met. Alex is literally, I feel like the person, like the only person that I've met that is exactly fucking like me. And um, I don't want to- It's actually quite scary. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. We're like almost exactly alike. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. I was like- damn, there literally might be only one other person like this on the planet, but I've met her and I'm so happy. Um, Yeah, so our friendship has just like, I mean, we literally have only met each other once in real life. And then from then on, we've kept our friendship going. Um, I live in California. She's across the country in New Jersey. And so with that being said, that is just a testament to our friendship and how just like real and authentic yeah and just like down to earth it truly is and i'm so fucking excited and grateful to have her on this episode today um to share all things about her um as you all know whoever tuned into the last episode of fill your cup maybe this is your first episode tuning in but bridget rose apothecary for the month of october um is all about rose codes that's the theme of the box but it is an honor to breast cancer awareness month um sharing the story of my mom bridget who passed of breast cancer when i was six years old um which i've shared in previous episodes but This is just truly such a way for me to honor her, Um, and especially in the month of October. It's like something I've wanted to do for three years. And like, I think I've even like had conversations like with Alex and all of my like fucking fleety ideas. Like, oh, I want to do this for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to do this. We've literally been discussing (laughs) something for Breast Cancer Month for the last few years, and we always have like such good ideas and then it just doesn't come to fruition but this year we're doing it so oh and it feels so good and like yeah thank you for being a testament to that because that is just like the journey that I've been on of like um the alignment thing I think that it nothing was in alignment before right and now it just is right now we're we're going well timing is always such an important thing like everything personally I'm an everything happens for a reason kind of person And I just feel like this is the time for you to be doing this. Mm. I can't wait for this episode because you're already like (laughs) gassing me up. God. Um, So I'm going to stop talking. But why I shared all about breast cancer is because Alex will share her story. Um, She is a breast cancer survivor. And being being (laughs) my age... um, and knowing that you've experienced that, went through that, and are 
a fucking badass survivor of that. I just, um, it's surreal for me. And I'm sure a lot of people that are our age uh, have said that to you as well. So I know selfishly, I'm excited to hear your whole story. I know how valuable it will be for everyone that tunes in. Everything that you have to say has so much value. So I'm excited um, to stop talking, to hand the mic. I'm not actually handing you a mic, but handing you (laughs) the mic over um, to share all about you, sister. And it's kind of awkward, I feel like, because I haven't recorded like this in such a long time, but we're rolling with it. <laughs> We're just gonna go with it. We're gonna make the best. <laughs> um, all right. So thanks, Emily. Hi, everyone. I'm Alex. Um, I am a high school social studies teacher. I teach all ages of high schoolers. It's quite lovely on a day-to-day basis. I actually really do love it, though. Um, and then I also coach softball. Um, I've tried to do other jobs like in between when I just wasn't uh, like I didn't have a teaching job at the time or whatever and I just needed to go back to teaching like I missed it so much so um, now any teachers out there if we're all working through this virtual or hybrid Mm. whatever thing that we're going through right now um, I wish you all the best because Mm. I am struggling hardcore right now. And I think every teacher I know is also struggling. Mm. So 2020 is a weird time, but we're going to get through, um, trying to think of like just little tidbits I can get, give about myself. Um, I recently bought a house and by recently, I mean last year, um, I know I'm so excited. Uh, but so recently, honestly, been, that that's how this has gone, right? This year has seemed like a blink of an eye. So that is recent. A blink of an eye. <laughs> it is very recent. Um, and I uh, made the big girl purchase and did the thing. And now I have, you know, bills all the time. And it's really, really fun. Really loving adulthood. Um, but what I have started to do recently with my home, um, I love to decorate it. I love to make the space like cozy and, and fun for me and all of that is I've actually started doing that for other people as well. And so I've been doing like virtual home decorating for people um, where they send me pictures of a space that they need some help with. And then I give them tons and tons of links to furniture if they want furniture or ways to like dress up their furniture or redo it so that they, you know, get the space that they want. Um, And I do everything like on a budget, Um, you know, budget decor, um, everything like that, because I don't like to spend a lot of money. So I always help other people do that. Um, So currently I've done like fall decor guides. So if you're in the, in the, uh, the need of that, you can always, get a fall decor guide or if you want something more tailored to you I can always do that as well um so yeah so that's what I've started doing in the last like month or so um yeah so that's just like a little bit about me currently um but I want to like start by how uh Emily and I met so we (laughs) met like she had already said um when we went to Europe to play softball um, and I knew absolutely no one, nobody on this trip. This was my first time traveling without my parents and it was out of the country. So there was just like a lot of going, lot going on in my head. Um, so we actually sat next to each other on the flight to Paris. 
and we talked a little bit. We ordered drinks because we were we old could. enough to get drinks. <laughs> and we ordered drinks and we drank on the plane and then we both like kind of fell asleep. It was an overnight flight, but we really didn't get like a good amount of sleep. And then we get to Paris and it was like shock like I had been out of the country before but like always like with people that were older than me with family like I was never like by myself it felt like <laughs> um and we get to Paris and the trip like the people that we were on for uh, with for this trip they were like oh the hotel you can't check in until 3 p.m we're just gonna drop you off in the middle of Paris and you guys can like walk around and meet back at the bus at like and this was like 11 o'clock in the morning and oh we are all super jet lagged. And I just remember being so freaking tired. Like I remember looking at the Eiffel tower, but not really even like acknowledging that it was there. I was like, Oh, okay. Like I was so tired. And then this is, this is how I knew Emily and I were going to become <laughs> friends because we were walking around, walking around. I ended up sticking with her and then she had, you know, somebody that she knew on the trip and there were other girls that we ended up becoming like good friends with. And so we kind of all like stuck together. But at one point we were all just like, what do we do? Like we don't have any stuff with us. We're not, we're like dressed in the same clothes that we were wearing <laughs> last night on the flight. Like we're so tired. So we go to the park and we sit down in the grass and I put my purse underneath my head and I fall asleep in the grass. And I wake up to Emily like kind of nudging me with her foot. And she, I open my eyes and she's standing above me and she's like, hey girl, uh, we're leaving. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I just grabbed my stuff and we left and like, that was just like the first thing I saw when I woke up was just Emily just sitting over top of me like hey <laughs> we gotta go um oh, and then from God. there we just like became like really great friends we went out um once we got out of Paris I think we really like sh our friendship was shining oh um, my god Belgium and Amsterdam had, had, <laughs> Belgium and Amsterdam we just had so much fun we played some softball also, but we just had so much fun. Oh um, my god! And that was the first and the last time that I have seen Emily in person. And every time we talk, we're like, we're gonna do a trip, and we just haven't done it. But I want to go back to Belgium so so bad. That was the best part of that trip, dude. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that. so that's that's me and Emily like our meeting for the first time and then since then we really have kept in touch I mean we've definitely had periods where we went a couple months without speaking but it really like that was pretty much it we've we've pretty much kept in touch um and then we've just been such a good support system for each other I feel like like I know mm. I can always reach out to Emily and like you know, vent to her and I'm never going to get the, oh, you'll be fine kind of response. It's always like a good, solid response of, yeah, I feel you. Like, you know, you're going to move through this, but I feel you. And I think that's such an important thing to take out of a friendship also mm -hmm. that, you know, somebody's not telling you you're going to be fine and wants you to move on, you know, basically acknowledging your mm -hmm. feelings and validating them is such an important part of friendship too. So I am so happy that I met Emily, um, and now she's doing all these big things, and I'm so happy to be a part of it. So, um, 
going to jump into my breast cancer story. Can, um, can I share really quick? Yes, please share. <laughs> oh my God. I love this. First of all, you need your own podcast because you're absolutely <laughs> badass at this. Um, second off, I was literally in the shower this morning. I had lots of thoughts in the shower this morning, um, but I was in the shower this morning and I was like, I wonder if this story, like Belgium's story is going to make it to the podcast. <laughs> like, Honestly, I feel like that's a podcast episode <laughs> all in of itself. Like, like our oh entire European trip is one podcast episode all on its own. Oh my god, we literally <laughs> like, tell the same stories every time we get on the phone. I laugh so hard every time. And then I tell other people and they kind of look at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, like this actually happened. And it's so crazy to me that these things happened. But okay, we're definitely doing an episode so because yes. I will pee. Let's let's drink some wine before we do that. Oh my, oh my god. god. All oh the thoughts god. will really be flowing then. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> that's happening. Um yes. yeah, that'll happen. And before um I just don't want to move past. Just thank you so much for that reflection. Your friendship like means everything to to me. And I love that it's not just like you said. It's not just um you said it a lot better than I will, but like like <laughs> uh, like fake pretty much. Just like, oh, it's okay, like you'll get through it, like blah blah blah. Like we're like there for each other. Yes, um 100%. and like super again, just real down to earth and super genuine. And I uh don't I don't how do I say this? I've always said I don't have a lot of friends, but now I I really do like have a lot of friends because I've opened to it. But I also mm. think this is a big testament to um like the sisterhood wound in itself and like especially yes. growing up like I I literally probably talk to you and like one of my other girlfriends like consistently from college and like from high school mm-hmm. I don't even know. Um and so yeah, it just, uh, that's a testament to how, like, you saw me and, like, we saw each other, like, back then, like, we saw each other for yes. each other, um, which is, like, pretty cool to realize because I just, like, was yeah. able to verbalize that right now. So, yeah, just thank you for that reflection. Your your friendship really, again, like, means everything and we could keep swooning over each other. Um, but I know. <laughs> I feel like this isn't our last podcast, so that's really fun. <laughs> We'll have time to swoon over each other more. We'll, be, yeah. we'll, have, we'll make time for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love it. But, um, and then I do also want to bring the, like you brought it, you said it like the first thing was about teaching. Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe after or before, however you feel like it fits in, like kind of speaking on that a little um, and giving yeah, space for that. Yeah, it's definitely part of my story regardless. So it'll fit itself in sort okay. of. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll get more into teaching because it definitely plays a role in everything that has gone on. So, yeah, I think that, um, especially like you said right now, like I, I when you said that, I know that teachers mm-hmm. are like moving through it, but like hearing it from yeah. you, I'm like, oh shit. So, um, yeah. So yeah. very real right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I definitely want to honor that and hold space for all of the things, but that caught my attention. Um, so I wanted to share that before I forgot about yeah. it, but, um, I will stop talking and I'll <laughs> hand the microphone virtually back to you. <laughs> mm. Um, okay. So out of college, I went on this trip with Emily. I was doing some other stuff. Um, 
I was coaching softball. I was um, trying to like, I, I still hadn't graduated college yet. So I was working towards that so that I could eventually get my teaching degree and start teaching. Um, so at that point in time, like, I just felt like I was just like all over the place, so busy, um, just trying to like keep my head above water, trying to like get jobs so that I could build up my resume and do the whole thing, but also like make time for myself. Cause you know, I, I think a lot of people realize this, like you think when you turn 21, you're going to like go out and do all these fun things. And then 21 comes and it's expensive. You're tired. You have a job finally. And you're just like, okay, I'm going to go to the bar for happy hour. And then I'm going to go home and go to bed. And, um, I think like my, my early twenties, like I thought we're going to be so much more exciting with like all my friends. We're going to all have so much time. We had no time. We were all busy trying to work trying to like, you know, date, do other things. And, you know, Friday nights would come and go and we were all exhausted. Um, mm. And then I ended up getting my first teaching job. And um, it, was, it was a part-time teaching job. So I, instead of teaching five classes, I was teaching three. So in order to make up for the money that I wasn't making by being a full-time teacher, I was also doing pitching lessons on the side. I was just doing a lot of stuff. And I just remember how exhausted I was, like mm -hmm. mentally, physically, everything, especially that first year, because although I would go into work later in the day, I wouldn't have to be there until like nine o'clock in the morning, which for teaching is very late. Um, mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be getting home until like nine, nine thirty at night. And I'd be going from one job to the next to the next. And it was just mm. so busy all the time. Um, after my first year of teaching, uh, and, and teachers can attest to this, your first year of teaching really makes you question your self-worth a lot. Mm. Um, and it makes you question why you're even doing this job to begin with. Like I've contemplated quitting more times in my first year than mm. I have in the five years since that first year. Wow. So, you know, there were a lot of like tears shed at work, after work, before work. Mm. <laughs> um, just a lot of times where I was like, I'm not cut out for this. I don't want to teach anymore. Um, this is not enjoyable to me. These kids are like literally running me ragged. <laughs> um, and then after my first year, Kind of looked at me and she was like are you sure you want to do that again I was like absolutely I want to do it again mm. and uh I think that that just like so something I was like I'm gonna be better my second year mm. and I walked into my second year and it was 1,000 times better so mm. so anybody who's struggling out there as a first year teacher it gets so much better and so much easier um mm. obviously not right now but we'll get to that <laughs> um after my first year of teaching uh, a couple days after school had ended. So like, like late June, um, my friend and I were, we planned a trip to go to the Dominican Republic. And so it was like a couple days after school ended. So we go on this trip and I am not fully functional. Like I would need to sleep so many hours out of the day. Um, you know, I would take a nap on the beach and she was like, what's wrong with you? Like, this isn't normal for you. And I was like, I think I'm just really tired. Like I'm catching up on sleep that I missed from, you know, this first year of teaching. Cause I really was missing a lot of sleep. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I was like, I think I'm just catching up on sleep. My body's just tired. So we get back from that trip. I'm thinking, okay, now I've got a couple weeks under my belt after school has ended. I should be fine, um, you know, now. Mm-hmm. And so I was still really, really tired. And then I started like working out because I was like, all right, I want to lose a little bit of weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to like start watching what I'm eating again and really like going to the gym and doing all of those things and get, get back into my like fitness and all of that. And I was like, and then my energy will probably pick up. Um, and it didn't, I was, I, this is the one example that I have because it was just so, uh, it stuck out to me so much. Cause I was like, this mm-hmm. isn't normal for me. I had slept 12 hours, um, like from, you know, I had gone to bed kind of early that night and I slept late. And then I went to a workout class that was an hour long mm-hmm. after I came back from the workout class, I went back to bed and I fell back asleep for a few hours. Mm. And I was like, that's not normal for me. Like I can, you know, I usually do need eight or nine hours of sleep, but then I can function for the whole day and I'm good. Mm-hmm. So I was like, something's not right. So I was telling my mom, she was like, I think you should go to the doctor and you know, maybe, maybe you're anemic. Maybe you have a thyroid issue, like something, have them do blood work and, and hopefully it'll come back and tell you what's wrong. Mm. So I went to the doctor. <laughs> And this is where the story always just annoys me. Um, Mm -hmm. I went to my general practitioner and um, basically was telling him all of my symptoms. And I was like, yeah, like, I'm just like really tired. I'm like sleeping a lot, which is not normal for me. I was like, I've been working out and eating right. And I haven't like noticed any changes in my body or anything. And like, to me, this is just not normal behavior for my body. And he looked me dead in my eyes and he said to me you're overweight and I was like okay you're not wrong (laughs) like in my head this is what I'm thinking I'm like you're not wrong I know that I'm a little bit overweight and that's why I've been working out and eating right and trying to get back on um trying to get back on everything um because of that and Mm. um like such a like a slap in the face kind of thing okay so it was just such a slap in the face because I was at the time very aware of my weight um I as a woman I think most of us are pretty aware of our weight like I don't think Mm. that that's ever something that you need to bring up to someone as if they (laughs) don't know um right (laughs) so I was like okay like yes no I understand that but I was like, I have been like eating well, I have been working out and I'm just like really tired. Like I'm sleeping a lot. And it's just, to me, that's not normal. And he was like, no, I'm sure if you lose weight, this will all go away. And he was completely serious. And I was like, okay, but like, I don't think that this is, that's the issue here. And he was like, no, it's, it's the issue. And I was like, well, I want you to do blood work. And he was like, there's no need to do blood work. And I was like, oh I God. understand what you're saying. I want you to do blood work anyway. I was like, because I think that there might be something else going on here. And I want the blood work to kind of find out. And he was like, well, it's going to come back negative. And I was like, that's fine. I just want you to do blood work. Oh my God. Um, he, so he did the blood work, but he was like, okay, here's how you lose weight. This was fun too. He was <laughs> like, you cut out carbs. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you cut out carbs. And I was like, okay, but like, that is not super helpful. And 
I also think that that's really like not thing as a doctor that you should be telling people because that's not sustainable. People do need carbs to live. Um, so like, I understand the idea of like, maybe like cutting down on your carb intake, maybe making sure that you're doing, uh, you're eating carbs that are whole foods, like potatoes, sweet potatoes, brown rice. Like if he had said all of that to me, I would have been like, okay, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm having too much pasta, not enough brown rice. Right. But for me to just be like, just cut out all carbs. I was like, that's, that is not something that you should be telling people to do I don't think like it's not and also that's not sustainable so if I do cut out all carbs and I lose weight the moment that I put carbs back into my diet which I will eventually have to do I'm going to gain weight right back so to me that just wasn't that wasn't sustainable that wasn't something that I was going to be able to accomplish and do so I was I walked out of that appointment feeling so crappy about myself I got um I got the blood work taken, but I just like, didn't feel good about it. And I went home and I told my mom and she was kind of annoyed for me about like, about the reaction that I got from him. And, uh, hello. Oh, there you are. (laughs) Can you hear me? (laughs) Yes. What part did I leave you on? I, um, your mom was annoyed for you as well. My mom, yeah, my mom was, um, my mom was kind of annoyed also for me, um, about the whole situation. And like, she was annoyed about the reaction, but she was happy that I was getting the blood work done and all of that. So I was happy about that as well. And go and I get the blood work and I get the phone call back for the blood work and they're like it came back negative and I was like motherfucker this guy was right this entire time I was like nothing's wrong with me I don't have a thyroid issue I'm not anemic like all this stuff so I'm like well then maybe he's right maybe it is I just have to lose weight and all this stuff so I was really annoyed Mm. and then one week later one week later I was sitting on my computer on my bed like doing something And I was just like, I touch, I like, if I'm like nervous or I'm thinking about something, I usually like, will put a hand on my like sternum Mm. um, and I'll like rub and rub. And like, that's just how like, I am like, that's like a nervous tick for me sometimes. Mm. Um, And so I remember I was sitting there and my hand like rolled over a little bit too far um, to like the upper part of my like left breast Mm. and I felt something and I was like well that's that doesn't feel like it's supposed to be there Mm. and so I was like I was feeling it so now I'm like touching the whole area and I'm like okay that doesn't feel normal so I like waited for my mom to come home she had been like at the movies with her friend So she comes home and I'm like hey can you feel this like is this normal and so she feels it she's like I don't know, like now, and my mom, my mom freaks out, so, <laughs> my mom freaks out about everything, like, I love her to death, but, like, if I'm <laughs> nervous about something, my mom is doubly nervous about it, so, so that didn't, like, ease my mind, I wasn't sitting there, like, okay, I'll be fine, like, now I'm really worried, because my mom is really worried, so she's right. like, okay, um, tomorrow, 
call the doctor, go see the gynecologist, whatever. So in the morning I call immediately. I'm like, Hey, I felt something. I need you to come to check it. Well, my doctor wasn't in that day. So they had their like physician's assistant do it. And mm -hmm. so she was, she was very nice. Um, and so I go in and she's like, it's probably nothing like super easing my mind. She's like, it's probably nothing girls, your age. It's usually like they feel something. It's nothing. Mm -hmm. So she, um, so she ends up like, you know, doing her thing and she's like feeling around and as she's feeling like her tone immediately changes mm -hmm. on me. And she's like, so do you have a history of breast cancer in your family? Mm. And I was like, no, not that I know of. And she was like, okay. And like, she's like, all right, I think you need to go get a mammogram. And mm. I was like, that was not what I was expecting to hear after this whole like little intro where she was like, you're fine. Nothing's wrong, right. whatever. Mm. Now all of a sudden within five minutes, things have changed. And now I need to go get a mammogram. So I leave the office and I immediately am like on the phone with my mom, like crying. I'm like, so she wants me to go get a mammogram. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, you know, this, this whole thing was like running through my head. So my mom's like, I I'm going to, I'm going to call, make you an appointment. Like, luckily she took care of it because honestly, I was in such a space where I was like, mm -hmm. like wild. My, my brain was running like wild. So, oh, yeah, I can <laughs> so imagine. she ended up, yeah. So she ended up calling my gynecologist and being like, who do you recommend we go get a mammogram from? I want to go today. And this is the great part about my mom too. She doesn't <laughs> take no for an answer. Is that she's like, your we're going today. Yes. She's like, we're absolutely going today. We need an appointment with this, you know, with this doctor to get a mammogram. So they made it for that afternoon. So my mom mm -hmm. and I get in the car and we go and we get there and they're like, you don't need a mammogram. You're 24 for um oh, my god they're like you need um a, like what is the other thing that they do um well anyway so they they didn't <laughs> weren't gonna do a mammogram I can't even remember the word for it but um they were just gonna like do like the um almost like a sonogram kind of thing where they are looking into the breast tissue and everything oh 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 um, like a baby like an ultrasound like yes like an ultrasound yes not not a sonogram i'm like way off but an ultrasound yes they were going to do an ultrasound so um so they're like you don't need a mammogram you need an ultrasound so i'm like okay like again i'm being like reassured and reassured wow. that nothing's wrong so i get an ultrasound and as i'm in the ultrasound the nurse's tone changes again. She's oh, like, Alex. so do you have a history of breast cancer in your family? And I was like, no. She's like, okay, hold on one second. She leaves, go gets the doctor. He comes in. Uh, Cause usually the doctor doesn't even do this. Like it's right. usually the nurse that does it. And they can usually just tell you, you know, or send the results to the doctor or whatever. Mm -hmm. So she leaves, brings the doctor back in and he's like, all right, we need to do a mammogram. And I was like, mother of God. I'm like, okay. So now I'm sitting there and I'm getting ready for this mammogram. And I've never had a mammogram before. And I've right. always heard like horror stories about how terrible they are. Mm. So now I'm like mentally preparing myself for this freaking mammogram. <laughs> and I'm standing there in this like nightgown thing. <laughs> I can hear the nurses in the other room talking about me mm. they were I mean they meant well they weren't tr saying anything bad about me but mm -hmm. I could hear them I could hear the one woman she's like she's 24 she's a teacher like 
And I'm like, and I'm just sitting there. And to me, I was like, I just knew it. I just knew that the results were not going to be good. So they do the mammogram. I go out and I sit in the office with my mom and they call us downstairs to this part of the office that nobody goes to. <laughs> I'm convinced that this is not somewhere where they take most patients. <laughs> and um, <laughs> the dungeon. It was like dark. Yeah, it was like this dark room where they look at like all of the like mammograms and stuff. And so he pulls it up on the computer and he's like, he's like, so you see this? And he's like showing my mom. And he's like, this shouldn't be here. It shouldn't, it's like, it looks abnormal. And when, th when a tumor looks abnormal, that's usually a sign that it's cancerous. He was like, so you need to go, go get a biopsy. You need to see a breast surgeon. They need to biopsy it like as soon as possible, whatever. And I am in a fog mm. office, like leaning up against the door um, frame. And that's what I remember is just kind of standing there and just being, um, like leaning up against this door frame and like not fully being present. Like I just, I felt like I was like in another place. We are just going to take a little break in the episode here before we get all the way into the full story of Alex's diagnosis journey, all of the things. So if you need to take a little stretch, a little break, some water, go ahead, sit back, take a deep breath, and we will get right back into it. Hello, hello, fill your cup family. I guess this isn't an hello. This is just an intro to part two, but hello and thank you for tuning back in. Um, after our little break there, um, thank you for listening to the first half of the episode. If you haven't listened already, make sure that you tune in, you catch up, because we are about to dive a little deeper into my sister Alex's story here. She is, I'm really not even going to share anything. We're just going to open the mic right back up to her because she knows the story better than I do. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so thank you for joining us, um, all the Fill Your Cup family, and Alex, thank you again. No problem. Thanks for having me again. Yes. <laughs> so last time that we spoke, we left off with, um, I was getting my mammogram results in what Emily calls like the dungeon, which is... <laughs> pretty accurate uh because i'm i just don't think that that's a place where they normally take patients uh i could be wrong but i just it just looked like an office to me that you know they only have the doctors and nurses go to typically um but the doctor was super nice and he was trying to explain to my mom all of the things that was that were wrong with uh the tumor that he saw um and why that was abnormal mm -hmm. um so I'm standing there and so my mom and I were both going through like very different but similar things in that moment and I think that this is important to note because my mom was asking a lot of the questions and uh kind of in denial about it not really in denial but like questioning whether or not this is accurate this is true this is real 
And in my head, I was very foggy. And I, I mentioned in the last part that I was like leaning up against the wall. And that's like what I remember is this wall holding me up almost. And I was just very foggy, but I knew I knew that it was, I knew that it was real. I knew that it was happening. I, I knew that he could tell me all day that it might not be cancer still because I still needed to go get a biopsy of it. But I knew that it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I just felt like everything had, had made sense at that point. All of those symptoms that I had been feeling, um, you know, I, I had pushed it out of my head that it was a possibility that it wasn't cancer. I was fine. Um, but at that point I knew. So my mom and I get in the car. This doctor had told her, he was like, just contact your, your daughter's like gynecologist and have her, uh, him send you to a breast surgeon. Um, and they will, you know, set you up for a biopsy appointment and all of that. So we get in the car, um, we drive home, which was only like a 10 to 15 minute drive. So it wasn't that long, but it just felt like so long. Mm. And we get back to the house. Uh, I was still living with my parents at the time, which also thank God. So mm. I will talk about that later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, we get back to the house and I just went up to my room and like laid in bed. And uh I could hear my mom talking on the phone downstairs and she had like really been holding it in for a while. Um, but I could hear her crying and like talking to my dad about like what she needs, what they needed to do, whatever. Um, and then she went outside and, uh, I guess was on the phone with my gynecologist for a while and things like that. Um, so at that point, sorry, my dog is just like, can't sit still when I'm doing stuff it's all I was like (laughs) perfect intermission he literally (laughs) waits until I am doing something something. to come bother me yeah because I was teaching earlier he didn't have to use the bathroom (laughs) didn't have to use the bathroom didn't have to use the bathroom I took him out didn't do anything and then I go to start my my class and he's barking at me incessantly to take him O-U-T and I'm like I can't I can't do this right now oh my god anyway you can't say that word out loud oh Oh, I can't say it out loud no I can't well that no out loud he's fine with but if I say just the word he will definitely start freaking out I also have to spell out walk knock it off (laughs) annoying Anyway, I, I love um, it. No so worries. back to my story, if he gives me an opportunity. Um, so, uh, so my mom ended up calling, can you, oh my God, all you're going to hear in the background of this is just dog whining. <laughs> it's, I, I mean, I'm all good with it. Um, if it annoys you, I'm sorry. Is that a, are you good? I'm fine. Yeah. It's really, yeah, it's really okay with me. Like, I don't care at all, but <laughs> if it bothers you, oh. we can totally pause. This is very retrograde season, by the way. It's like all of the things that are happening right now. <laughs> this makes sense. Sunny is just my Mercury retrograde. This is, <laughs> he is just that for me. Oh anyway, um, so. My mom had called my dad 
And then she had also contacted my gynecologist um, about finding a breast surgeon and, and doing all of those things. Um, and so I just like, I literally just laid in bed and just laid there for the whole afternoon. And my dad, I guess, like left work early and came home. And I don't know if he even talked to my mom before he came in to come talk to me, but he just like opened the door and he was like, Hey, and I was like, hi. Mm. And he was just like, like, you could tell he didn't really know what to say. Uh, But then he went downstairs to talk to my mom and my mom before there was a lot of good things about my mom in this situation I mean there's a lot of good things about my mom in general but there's a lot of good things about my mom in this certain uh certain situation because she wasn't taking no for an answer Mm -hmm. um so anybody who's gone through cancer or who knows someone who's gone through cancer there's usually a sequence that happens uh you know you find something that they think might be cancerous and then a few weeks later you go uh, to a surgeon that biopsies it. And then a few weeks later, you get your results. And I mean, it's a painstaking process for anyone who's going through it because it's so long of not knowing. Mm. Um, so my mom was not taking that for an answer that day. Um, <laughs> she was not allowing this to go a couple weeks without an answer. Um, it needed to happen that day. So she had called my gynecologist, who's great. She's known him for years. I've obviously known him for years as well. Um, And he sent us to like the breast, the breast, the best breast surgeon um, in New Jersey. So he set up an appointment for us for that day. Um, So he set uh, an appointment for us for that day. And um, my dad comes into the room and he's like, we got to go. And I was like, where are we going? And he said that we were going to the hospital in Morristown. Um, So we go over there and I go in for this biopsy and everything. And the the breast surgeon was very nice. Um, She was a little bit abrupt, but I don't mind that. That doesn't really bother me. Um, but she was very nice, very knowledgeable about everything. And she knew that my mom and I were supposed to be going on a trip in a few days. Uh, Mm -hmm. we were going to be going to Mexico. So she was like, I'm going to get you your results back before then. She's Mm -hmm. like, because I don't want you to go on this trip and not know. I also, you know what I mean? Like there's things that we Mm -hmm. can start doing sooner rather than later. If the, you know, if the answer is yes. Then we can start working on getting you a plan and getting everything in place. So, so we needed to know before we left, Uh, you know, my, first of all, my mom was not going to be able to enjoy the trip. I was not going to be able to enjoy the trip with not knowing. Um, so she said, I'm going to get it back to you in a couple of days. So after that, we went for lunch, uh, in Morristown. And the thing that I remember most about sitting there was just like how normal of a day it was. Uh, and how normal of a day it was for everyone else but me mm-hmm. and my family, obviously. But that was just something that stuck out to me. Was I was just watching this mother and her like fourteen-year-old mm-hmm. son just sit there and have lunch, and I was like, "This is just probably another day for them." And this is the day that like everything is just crumbling apart for me. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like like I was watching people walk by, and I was it just it was such a realization 
that you probably don't know how many people are having like maybe the worst day of their lives so far mm. that day when it's just a normal average day for you. You know what I mean? Going to get lunch with your son, going for a walk in town, you know, leaving work and walking to the bar. There's just so many things that are going on for most of us on a normal day that we don't really stop to think that how many people we're passing are having like the worst day ever. So I just, that was what stuck out to me. Like, you know, my, I think my parents were very concerned, obviously, about the biopsy, but in my heart, I already knew the answer to that. So I was less, con like, not that I wasn't concerned, but I was less thinking about that and just more thinking about, like, the normalcy of it, of it just being, like, a random Tuesday. Um, you know, just, just something like that. That's what stuck out to me. Um, mm. so a couple days had gone by and I get a phone call. Uh, my mom and I were supposed to be leaving for this trip. We didn't cancel anything just yet because we weren't sure. Um, and what, you know, if, if it was nothing, if it wasn't cancerous, that would have been a great treat to be able to go on vacation right after finding that news out. So we didn't want to cancel it prematurely, um, in case that it might not be cancer um so I Friday afternoon and my mom had gone for a walk with her friend and my dad was home in the office and I was in my bedroom and my brother I think was outside or wherever and I got a phone call and I know I realized what the number was and I picked it up and it was the breast surgeon and so she was like, Hey, like, how are you? And I was like, I'm okay. Like at that point I was like in a good mood. I had got my nails done that day. Like everything was okay so far. Um, she basically was like, okay, well, like, I'm glad you're having a good day. She was like, so I have your results. She was like, so it's bad news. It is cancer. Um, she was like, I don't know the stage or anything just yet. Um, and of course this was a Friday, so I wasn't going to be able to see the doctor until Monday to find out anything more. She was like, but I, I don't have the stage or anything just yet. You'll have to find out when you see the doctor, uh, next week. She was like, um, and at that point I just started like silently crying, but it probably wasn't all that silent. Uh, I was definitely like breathing off a little bit and so she heard it and she just stopped me for a second and she was like I know this is like the worst case possible for you like this was the worst news you could have gotten she was like and this year is not going to be easy but you're going to have a lot of good moments in there too and that was something that I remember to this day because she was absolutely right this was not the news I wanted this was um, going to be a really hard year, but it wasn't as bad as my mind was making it out to be. Um, mm. It was going to have a lot of good moments. I was going to have good moments with friends, with family, with, you know, with myself. You know what I mean? Like I was still going to have a good year overall, even if it wasn't wholly positive. Um, mm. So that, that was something that I will always remember her saying. And I don't know if she says that to everyone, but that was just <laughs> something that I, that I thought was um, 
mm. I just needed to hear at that moment. Um, so I hung up with her and I like collected myself for a second and I went into the office where my dad was and he looked up at me and I, I knew he could overhear that I had a phone call. I don't know if he knew what, which phone call it was, mm. um, but he looked at me and he could tell that I was upset and I was like, it, it's cancer. And I just like lost it. I started crying. Um, and he just like held me and I literally just sat on his lap. Mm. Like I was a little kid and just cried and cried. And he like was tearing up, but like he, you could tell he was trying to, uh, keep himself together. Um, so then he, you know, once I had calmed down a little bit, he, um, he basically asked me a few questions, like what I knew so far, which wasn't much. And um, then he, you know, he basically said that they would support me, like any, you know, anything I needed, you know, the, the basic things. Um, so at that point, I started coming down uh, and we were okay. I was okay for a little bit. And then he goes, so now we have to tell your mom. <laughs> and we both kind of like chuckled about it and it's not a funny situation but right to, knowing your mom to then <laughs> to then have to tell my mom like I just cried my eyes out and <sighs> I would have to explain it all again mm. to my mom like mm. it just wasn't going to be an easy <laughs> or yeah. you know like you know an easy conversation to have um so at that point my brother walks in oh man what are you guys talking about and I should preface this with my brother is very similar to my mother with personality wise. Um, he's, he's very, uh, he's very smart, strong and all of that, but he's also very sensitive. Um, he like worries about people a lot. He worries about situations. Uh, he definitely has some anxiety and, mm. um, so he walks in and he's, and he says, uh, what are you guys talking about? And I was like, well, I got the results back. It is cancer. And as I'm saying it, I started laughing a little bit and I'm like, I don't know why, but I like honestly couldn't control the laughter and it just kept coming. And my dad's like smiling now because I'm laughing and he, and my dad's smiling. So now my brother's standing there and he's like, I don't know if you're lying like, is, are you oh serious? Man. And I was like, no, I'm a hundred percent serious and I'm sorry. But like, I guess it was almost like a defense mechanism. Like I didn't want to start right. crying again. So I was like laughing instead. Um, so at that point, um, he's like, I don't, why are you two laughing? Like you right. people are sick. What is going <laughs> on with you? He was getting, he was actually getting really mad because he was, he started crying oh, and can, he's I like, bet. the two of you are laughing. And I was like, I'm laughing because I like, I just can't cry again. Like, I just can't do it. So I feel like that was almost like my defense mechanism is to just start laughing about it. Um, I knew if I like, I knew I still had to tell my mom and I knew if I was like crying while I was telling her that she was like, it was just going to be a whole thing and I just couldn't do it. Um, so then we just had to wait for my mom to come home and eventually she came home. And she walked in, we were all just like sitting in the living room waiting for her. Mm. And she was like, Hey, and I, and so I told her the whole news. She cried. We did the whole thing. Um, so yeah, so that was that. Um, and that, 
that was a hard day. That was August 5th. So it was a couple weeks after my 24th birthday. Mm. Um, and it had all like happened in one week. So from the time that I felt the tumor myself to the time that I had gotten the results back, it was from Monday to Friday. So it was a, a week, a whirlwind mm. week. Um, and so I just felt like for all of us, all of our emotions were all over the place. Um, and at that point, I made the decision I wasn't going to tell a lot of people yet, just because I kind of, first of all, wanted to know more. I wanted to have a plan in place. I wanted all of that. I also am not the type of person who likes sympathy. Like that doesn't feel mm. good for me. Mm -hmm. um, and when something bad happens to other people, their first or your first instinct is to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want that. It just wasn't something that I wanted or needed in that moment. So um, I didn't really tell a lot of people. At that point, I had just told a couple of my friends. Uh, so my parents, my friends, my cousins, like that, that was pretty much it. It was a small circle of people that knew. Mm -hmm. Um, so at that point, um, like I said, not a lot of people knew. Um, but a funny story that I always like interject into this part is that, um, it was Saturday. So I found out on Friday and it was now Saturday and I get a text message, or not a text message, a Facebook message from this girl that I went to high school with and used to be like sort of friends with, but like we weren't like friends that would hang out um, after school or outside of school. Um, but we were friends like in school. So she Facebook messages me and I knew she had been living out of the state. Um, so we had kind of lost connection after high school. And um, she messages me and says, hey, I am reaching out because I'm back in New Jersey and I don't have a lot of friends here anymore. So I wanted to reach out to the people that I had been friendly with and, uh, you know, see if we could hang out, get together and do whatever. And I was like, or no, she also said like, I've been having some health issues, which is why I moved home. So I was like, well, that's oddly familiar. I was like, oh, well, funny you should mention health issues I am having some health issues of my own currently I was like I was just diagnosed with breast cancer yesterday and she goes oh well I was diagnosed with uh non-Hodgkin's lymphoma mm. a few months ago she was like on her on her 24th birthday she got mm. diagnosed mm. um with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and she was like, and that's why I had to move home because I, you know, I just, you know, couldn't do it living alone. Mm. Um, so she was like, you know, I would love to get together and hang out and like we could talk about chemo and stuff because she was just starting chemo at that point. And I was like, that would be great. And uh, to this day, we are very good friends. She's one of my best friends. Um, so mm. it's funny that story is always crazy to me because I'm not a super religious person. I don't condemn religion at all. I'm just not a religious person by nature, but I definitely do believe in the universe and things like that. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, the universe told her to message me that day. She mm -hmm. felt compelled to message me that Saturday. If she had messaged me a week earlier, I would have had no context of, you know, mm -hmm. 
anything that I was dealing with at that point, because like I said, it all happened from Monday to Friday. So the whole idea was that if she had messaged me a week earlier on the Saturday before, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known anything yet. So Mm. it was kind of crazy the way things happened. And she was like one of the first people that at the time wasn't one of my best friends that knew because I ended up telling her obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so at that point we became really close. Um, We started seeing each other talking about chemo and whatnot. And throughout the whole thing, we were able to kind of rely on each other. Our chemos were different. Hers was a lot stronger than mine. So I didn't always relate to what she was going through, but for the most part, um, it was just helpful to have someone going through the same thing around the same age as you, Mm. because I think that's important too, because most of the time when I started going to chemo, most of the people were significantly older than me, parents, grandparents, and they, you know, looked at me very sad because they were upset that I was going through this at such a young age, but they didn't understand the, um, think the impact that it would have on me. Um, and I can get to that more a little bit later, but it was just nice to have somebody who was going through the same thing that you were going through, but also, you know, can relate as far as being the same age, being at the same time in your life and and things like that. Um, Mm. so I always put that in here in, in this story, just because I think that that was just such a crazy thing that happened to both of us. And it was crazy how the universe brought us back together when we needed it. Um, Mm. So, so yeah, so I'm very thankful for that friendship. Um, And like I said, we're still friends today. Um, Very good friends. So it is nice to have that friendship again. can I, but, pa- can I pause yeah, you really ahead, quick pause. before and just like, just kind of like interject because you said so many juicy things and I just kind of want to like pause before we move forward. That's okay to reflect. Yes. Yeah. I just like, um, ooh, a couple things came through really strongly, which is why I wanted to stop. But like, I just want to mm-hmm. first pause and honor and celebrate you and your journey and the way that you're like, I feel like this and you can like tell me if I'm wrong, but this is kind of a full circle, more of a full circle moment, like right now to be sharing your story. I really feel like this like big energy that was moving through you. Yes, it's an emotional story to tell, but like, I don't know when you were like really when you were first kind of um sharing especially around your family and 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 sharing mm-hmm. with them I just felt um this big energy so I just wanted to kind of like stop and honor that and um honor you and again celebrate you I know you said no sympathy but this is not sympathy this is just pure no. ce- celebration and, and I'll get to I'll <laughs> talk about like what I what bothers me more but, yeah. like sympathy like that is not that does not bother me. It's all the people that like shrug their shoulders and are like, I'm so sorry. And you're right. just like, mm, you don't really, <laughs> you don't really know. Yeah. But no, it is really full circle for me just because I, um, I just feel like I, t- I've told the story before, but I feel like it's, um, 
it's always been in pieces. Like I feel like I haven't telling it in full, I think mm. just brings back so many emotions for me too, not in a bad way. Mm -hmm. um, but usually when I am splicing things together, like, you know what I mean? If I'm just talking about this one piece of the story or whatever, I can kind of hide my emotions or suppress them. A hundred percent. But, mm. you know, telling it in full, I, I do recognize the weight and the gravity of it all. And, you know, a lot of things that I've, I'm, I'm out of breath, not because I'm crying, but because I <laughs> am out of shape and I just came in the house. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like huffing and puffing and I'm, I'm not for any particular reason. <laughs> um, so I just feel like uh, when I tell it in full, I do have a moment, I do have some clarity into how big of a, a change this was in my life, which, mm. you know, when you're telling it in pieces, it doesn't always come through that way. Mm -hmm. um, and I also am the type of person, I don't like people to think that this was a big deal for me just because it's easier than having to go. I think like sometimes people will be like, oh, that's terrible. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. Just mm. because I don't feel like dealing with it. I don't feel like having to explain myself or to explain anything really. Mm. Um, but now telling the story in full really, you know, brings back a lot of emotions about it. So. Mm, thank you for expressing it in that way because I definitely like felt that like the gravity mm -hmm. I guess you can say of that when you started to express so my next kind of question um is where did you feel it in your body when you were like talking like yes in your throat and your chest because emotions and tears but like was there anywhere like a heaviness or like that like feeling of like heat or something that like went off in your body when you tell it uh it's a heaviness I think in my like I feel it in my gut a little bit and I feel it in my heart because it is mm. it definitely like still hurts a little bit I guess you could say I don't know if that's the right mm. like way I'm explaining it but that's sort of how it feels is it um like, yes, it's in my throat and yes, it's in, you know, like I'll, I'll tear up every once in a while, but it's mostly just like, almost like that sinking feeling. Cause that, mm. it's almost like I'm feeling it again because I, I'm telling the whole story. A hundred percent. Which like I said, doesn't, I've, I don't think I've ever told the full story to anyone. Mm. Um, it's always been in bits and pieces because, you know, those other people that you know, would want to know the story were there along the way. So they didn't really have to hear the whole thing. But And I just like, I'm really, this is why this was the message that was coming through so strongly is because since this is bringing up so, so much of that emotion again, and like that, those feelings again, like this is such a safe and supportive space to honor those emotions yes. because they are such a piece of you, right? They are like that visceral, they're literally in your cells mm -hmm. still. So to be able to move through this story, to move through this expression while also call 
honoring those emotions and calming your nervous system at the same time it helps to co-regulate everything and anchor in like this the anchor in where you are now this healthy empowered just new version of you from the story that you from where you were if that makes sense right so i just wanted to again kind of pause before we like totally moved on and and went forward and um just kind of break it up because i wanted to honor these first set of emotions that came through for you because i felt them so strongly and you're really putting me in the shoes of like what my mom went through and i can only like imagine Mm. um Like, I literally am feeling like her, like, and then her mom, you know, like, and her dad just Mm -hmm. passed and I had that full circle feeling of them. So like, I can only imagine Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I just really appreciate you sharing everything that you are. And I've, uh, I can't imagine again, the full, like, visceral feelings of like actually moving through it but um this is really special for me so thank you well I'm I'm really glad to be sharing it and I'm really glad like if it does bring that feeling to one person which it's already brought it to you but anybody who's listening if it does bring it to like one person then I think it's it's done its job you know what I mean like if we Mm -hmm. all get that full circle feeling because most of us have experienced uh cancer or some sort of loss and I'm gonna you know as going through chemo and stuff I experienced loss um and I will you know I've also experienced loss you know with family members and things like that but we've all experienced some sort of loss we've all had some sort of hand uh dealing with cancer at this point um, and I think it is something that is a full circle effect for everyone at this, uh, you know, at this point in time. So, yeah, no, thank you so much. I love also that word like full circle. I'm going to pull a card um, and see what comes through for that word full circle right now. But yeah, it's a, a time to be alive right? Okay. Well, this card just flew out, conflict, Mm -hmm. um, and how we are kind of nurturing ourselves, like, in this full circle moment of, like, reflecting Mm -hmm. on, like, the conflict we've gone through, reflecting on the journey we've been through, and really, like, anchoring in and, like, not blowing past it, like, I'm not going to say any longer because it's not like we haven't stopped and paused and reflected, right? But really, like, whoa, and celebrating and like sinking into Mm -hmm. gratitude is like the feeling that I'm getting and like really like we're like here like look where we've been we're here and that anchors us into like look where we get to go next yeah yeah um so I love that Mm because it looks like a scary card right it's like okay why the fuck did that come out but um yeah I love that yeah (laughs) (laughs) um mm. But if you feel good and if you remember, I'm sure you do, um, we can dive right back into wherever. Yep. Um, so after I got my results back that said it definitely was cancer, I needed to go see um, an oncologist and start setting up chemo appointments and things like that. Um, 
that following week is when I was going to see my oncologist and find out further information about the cancer that I had. Because at that point, all I knew was it, it was breast cancer. I didn't know what stage it was or anything to that mm. regard. So, um, so at that point we go to the hospital, I meet my oncologists. Um, and luckily for me, and I suggest this for anyone who's in the future, maybe going through this, unfortunately, or if you know someone who is going through um, cancer and they need a support system, maybe you can be that person. But uh, luckily for me, my parents were those people and they walked in that day with a notebook full of questions and mm. um, they made sure to ask those questions and they made sure to write down everything that the doctor was telling them um, because you walk out of those meetings and you're lost. You're, you are confused. They, obviously, they use a lot of terms that are outside of most people's realm of knowledge. Mm. Um, but it's also just so much information that when you leave those appointments, it's so overwhelming that you forget a lot. So um, somebody had told my mom, like, when you go, you need to make sure you bring a notebook, take notes, write down every single thing that they say, and then you can, like, kind of Google it and figure it out a little bit later. Mm. But they were like, ask questions and do all of that. So going through this and they need somebody to go be that person for them it's so much easier to have someone else who's not the person who is now being diagnosed mm -hmm. doing all of that work for themselves it's so much easier to have someone else who has a little bit more clarity has a little bit more um better judgment at that moment because let me tell you I did not have good judgment at that moment um to do that for for them so that's my like one piece of advice for that um but yeah, so we set up, uh, so it turned out I had stage two breast cancer. Um, at that mm. point, I was still going to have to go for a, like a lot of tests and things to make sure that the cancer hadn't spread anywhere else. Um, so I ended up having like a full day of tests from like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. where I just went from one room of the hospital to the other, um, getting, you know, tests on... Um, you know, a bone scan, a brain scan, this scan, that scan, um, just to do or that the, um, that the cancer hadn't spread any further. Um, but at that point when I met the oncologist, none of that had happened yet. So I, um, they were still, about, uh, if it had spread or anything like that. Um, and uh, that was pretty much all I knew that day. And, and honestly, like I said, that appointment was uh, pretty much a blur to me. It was a lot of information that I couldn't keep up with. Um, and then they came up with the plan, uh, or actually it was after we got the results of all my scans done, which all came back negative, that I, it had spread luckily. Mm -hmm. So it was only um, in my left breast. Um, they came up with the plan that we would be doing 16 uh, weeks of chemo. Um, and so it would be 12, 12 sets of chemo that was once a week. And then um, four that would be once every two weeks. 
Um, and there were different names for them. And I can't, I'm not going to pretend like I remember what they are. <laughs> Uh, because I've kind of blocked that out a little bit. Uh, if I were to like Google it and see the name, I'd probably remember, but I'd per prefer not to. Uh, so <laughs> there were um, two types of chemo that I was getting and um, weeks. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm a little fuzzy on the numbers right now. I don't know why, but yeah, it was either 16 or 18 weeks, something like that. But it was definitely 16 rounds. So it would probably be more weeks than that then. Mm. Um, but regardless of what it was, it was about 16 rounds of chemo. So at that point, um, we set the schedule that it was going to be starting like the following week. And I kind of had to make a decision uh, with certain things with work and everything. Um, because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to be working throughout all of this, mm -hmm. um, or not. So that was something that I had to talk with my doctor about. Um, and at that point I wasn't a full-time teacher yet. I was a part-time teacher. So I was teaching three classes a day instead of five, um, which I was mad about the year before, because I really wanted to get like that full-time paycheck and like, you know, really be in my career finally. Um, but it was almost like a blessing in disguise because I was able to work throughout chemo appointments. Um, so I was able to like go to chemo in the morning. So I'd go to chemo at like 8.30 in the morning. I'd be done by like 10.30 or like not, you know, 10 o'clock. And then I'd go into work and I would teach. Um, mm. And so I would teach for the afternoon and then, uh, you know, coach or whatnot. Um, so at that point, when I found out my plan for like the 16 rounds of chemo, um, I was supposed to be coaching, starting coaching, uh, cheerleading with one of my best friends. Uh, don't ask me how I got started with cheerleading. It's a long story. Um, my mouth just dropped. <laughs> honestly, the only reason I, I did cheerleading was because of my best friend who wasn't my, one of my best friends, uh, who wasn't one of my best friends at the time. Um, but she like convinced me that it would be good for both of us to do it together. I love um, it. and I did it. And I mean, luckily I got a great friendship out of it, but woo, cheerleading <laughs> was rough sometimes. Wow. I did um, not know that about you. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I don't know much about cheerleading, but I know how to coach. And that was why she had asked me like we didn't really know each other when we met um so we came into the school together and I had said that I was a softball coach and she kind of like looked at me and was like oh my god would you help me coach cheerleading and I was like oh oh no I was like you don't want me to coach cheerleading I was like I am like the least peppy person and like I like softball and getting dirty and like you know I like sports where it's like tough and rough and like all of that which cheerleading very much can be um but I didn't really know a lot about it at the time and she was like you don't really need like to know a lot I just I just need another person she's like it's it's me by myself with 42 girls and I was like forty-two. Oh. I felt really bad yeah she was by herself with 42 girls so I felt really bad I said I would do it 
and then we ended up becoming like really good friends because of it <laughs> so I mean it worked out but wow it was I could tell you some stories you know oh wow but the girls were great though for the most part um <laughs> I had a lot of fun uh with them but cheerleading is just really not 100% my thing oh so. I love that <laughs> Uh, that was interesting and and yeah so it was good but but yeah at that point I was supposed to be coaching cheerleading for the second year then and uh, I went in and talked to um, my athletic director and I was like I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this and like I don't know if you guys just want to hire someone else like I just don't know how often I'm going to be here be able to do this like I don't know how often I'm going to have chemo. You know what I mean? Like there were just so many things running through my head and he just stopped me and he was like, well, you can talk to Julie. Julie was the other coach who I became friends with. He was like, talk to Julie. And if she thinks it's going to be an issue, then we can talk about it. I was like, he was like, but I don't think she's going to think it's an issue. So you're just going to stay on and coach. And I was like, okay, like, that's fine. I just wanted to like forewarn everyone of like you know there was a lot coming like there was a lot of schedule wow. conflict to come um I ended up staying on coaching I, I was able to get to most things which was great um and I really didn't take off uh from work at all until uh I get to my surgery part um in January so I ended up not really missing a day of work ever from September to January. Um, I was able to work my chemo sessions around my work schedule. So that worked out for me. And I was banking all of my sick days uh, from the year before and from that year to kind of save up for my surgery, which I'll talk about um, in a second. But one of the great things about like working with teenagers and this is something I said to people like all the time throughout chemo um was that working with adults when you have when you're going through something like that when you're going through chemo and stuff like I said they give a lot of that sympathy like oh are you okay and then like you were fine and now you're not okay because you're worried you know what I mean mm -hmm. um kids don't do that kids uh are great in the sense that they care so when it first happened, when kids first realized what was going on, kids from like previous years, they came in to visit me and say hi and like, you know, ask if I was okay. And like kids from that year that I was meeting for the first time, they were like, oh, are you okay? But then after they go back to normal. And I like actually love that about working with kids because <laughs> you don't feel bad all the time you know what I mean you don't feel like people are making excuses for you because you're sick you don't feel like people are treating you differently because you're sick because kids don't do that kids will ask you if you're okay but then they have so much of their personal stuff going on that after you say you're good and you act like you're good they move on because they have to deal with all their drama and whatnot right and so that was like sort of like a blessing for me because right. I, I didn't that. want people to constantly be asking if I was okay. I was fine. I was working. I was doing whatever mm. I needed to do. Um, and I just wanted to feel normal. I wanted to feel good. Mm. Um, and kids help with that, <laughs> which is nice. 
Um, so that was, that was definitely a plus for me working with teenagers. Um, and then during chemo, I luckily wasn't, I didn't get sick a lot. I definitely had aversions to food, um, because I started chemo in like in August and in August, all the pumpkin spice stuff was coming out (laughs) and I loved pumpkin spice. And I say loved because I ate so much of it during like my first couple rounds of chemo that I became so averted to it that now I can only have it like every once in a while. Like I cannot have pumpkin spice as often as I used to. (laughs) So uh, chemo definitely ruined that for me. Um, It also ruined Mm. tomato soup and grilled cheese um, because I had that for like my first meal after chemo. Oh, yeah. No. My mom made it for me like comfort food. Right. She was like, it's comfort food. And I was like, yeah, definitely. Uh- <laughs> and I have had a really hard time eating anything that has like cooked tomatoes in it, like, oh, like no. chunks of tomato. And I've had trouble with like grilled cheese. So if it's tomatoey, it needs to be like pureed. And I can't see chunks of tomatoes. <laughs> and if it's I I have I don't think I've had a grilled cheese since then honestly and I love grilled cheese so that's really saying a lot Um, I know those are like staples had like aversions to food they are it really bothers me that I can't have like just a standard grilled cheese it kind of is just weird to me now um definitely I'll probably try again soon just to like make one and try it and maybe I'll be fine but who knows (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. For a while, I could not even look at a grilled cheese. So I think I'm at a point where I can at least look at them. So maybe I can try them again. I'll have to see. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I had aversions to food. And then also um, something that I was not prepared for um, was that they were worried, especially because I was so young, that the chemo would destroy my... um, my fertility and my organs that would work for me being pregnant and things like that Mm. so uh because chemo as we all know kills everything it doesn't discriminate what it's killing so it kills the cancer but it also kills a lot of other things uh aka your hair falling out and things like that um but I was not prepared for that. Like, I just, I didn't think about it. I didn't know that that was something I had to worry about. Um, so they ended up giving me shots, uh, like hormone shots that sent me into premenopause. Mm. Uh, so that was not enjoyable at all because I was having hot flashes. <laughs> oh um, as a 24 year old, I was having insane hot flashes. Like I used to tease my mom about her hot flashes. They are no joke. Like they are literally no joke, but it was, it was rough and I'm naturally a warm person anyway. Mm. So it was just really bad because I'd be teaching in the middle of December and I'd Mm. get a really bad hot flash and I'd open all the windows in the classroom and the kids would be like, it's cold in here. I'm like, bring a sweatshirt next (laughs) time because I have to have the windows open. It almost felt like I couldn't breathe. Like that's how hot I would get. Right. Um, no way of stopping it like you're just sweating and sweating and there's just no way of cooling off even with all the windows open and everything no way to cool off right Um, so yeah that was something that I went through um uh just having going into like that quote-unquote pre-menopause which was 
I just don't think that's something that I ever thought about. Like mm. I knew chemo was something I had to think about, but that was not something that I, ha- I thought I had to worry about. Um, and then also you, you worry that, you know, it may not have worked. Those shots may not have worked and I might not be able to get pregnant at some point. Mm. Um, so that's something that I definitely think about. Uh, I, I try not to think about it as often because it's not, you know, like I'm not trying to get pregnant now. I don't want to get pregnant now. Um, but when the time comes, that's going to be something that is going to be concerning to me because I don't know if it's going to affect that at all. So, so that's something that I had to end up thinking about that I wasn't aware of thinking about. Um, and then something else that came with chemo and things like that. I was very upset when I had to cut my hair because I always liked my long hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really was hard for me. Um, but I wasn't like ashamed of the bald head. Like I wasn't worried about that at all. And honestly, because I was going through like that premenopause stage, I couldn't even wear hats because I was sweating so much. Um, so I wouldn't, you know, it was the middle of winter and I have my bald head out because I'm sweating all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just have people who don't know why you're bald. Um, but they feel the need to come up and tell you how great you look with a bald head. And like, you know, it's so empowering for you and all of that. <laughs> and I mean, like, it's a nice gesture. Like, I'm glad, I'm glad people think that women who are bald look nice because we do they do um however as a cancer patient (laughs) that is not really something that I wanted to hear from the random guy at the dollar store Um, (laughs) no it was just not something like yeah like he was like oh my god you look great bald and I'm like cool like you don't know why I'm bald though Mm. like (laughs) like there's I just don't, it's like almost like one of those things that you just probably shouldn't be saying to people. Like, right. you know what I mean? If they bring it up, then maybe, but in, in most regards, just say you look nice or whatever, and we right. can all move on with our lives. But um, yeah, no, I got that quite a bit and I wasn't like mad about it, but I was also like, you don't really know why I'm bald though. If, I, if I'm bald because, you know, I chose to be bald then like maybe I would accept that compliment a little bit easier, but like, I didn't want this. <laughs> mm. I didn't, I didn't go looking for this. I didn't want this. Um, yeah, I just thought, I think that was interesting because I had that happen to me so many times. And I think it was also because I was never wearing a hat or anything. So I think people may have thought that I did it just on my own accord. Um, to, you know, cause I think most cancer patients you would assume would wear a hat or something to cover it up. Mm. Um, I, I think that a lot of people probably just thought I cut my hair, um, and just wanted to be bald. Um, mm. but other than that, I really didn't mind being bald. Uh, what came after being bald was quite possibly worse. <laughs> when my hair started growing back, it started growing back on the sides and the back but not the top. So I looked like my dad. Uh, balding. <laughs> I was like, this is not attractive at mm. all. <laughs> Are you, so, um, 
So yeah, so I was like balding on the top. I had hair <laughs> on the sides and the back and uh, it was just not a good look. And I remember whole... my one friend came over. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it was a whole vibe. <laughs> a whole vibe. I really, I looked, I just looked like my dad. Like that's all I can think about is I just looked like my dad. Um, my friend came over and she was like smiling at me but she you could tell she like was uncomfortable and uh she's literally like one of my best friends so I'm not really upset about it but she like looked at me and I was like yeah my hair is just so terrible it's not growing on the top I look so I look like a man and uh she was like oh thank god you said it because I was looking at your hair and I was like oh god (laughs) Oh and, my god. Uh, I was like, no, I'm very much aware of it. I'm very much aware of what it looks like right now. Um, but yeah, so we laugh about that even now because she'll be like, remember when your hair was like that? And I'm oh like, my god. Yes. Uh there's not a lot of pictures of me from that time period because I was so upset about my hair. For a reason. <laughs> I was like, I would rather be bald at this point. <laughs> right. But yeah, so it was just yeah, it was not not my favorite look not my favorite um Mm. but yeah so uh went through chemo like I said um I was able to work and everything throughout it I really didn't get sick much um so that was all a plus for me obviously um and then I had to prepare for my surgery um at the end of at the end of my chemo sessions, my doctor had said they were going to remove the tumor. Um, and they could either do a lumpectomy where they just remove the tumor itself, or I could get a mastectomy where they would remove the entire breast tissue and everything. Well, I had decided pretty early on, uh, probably like day one, um, that I wanted a double mastectomy. Mm. Uh, I just at that point didn't want to have to worry about it in the future. And I wasn't, not that I wasn't super attached to my, to my boobs, but at a certain point I would have rather have gotten rid of them to have Mm. less of a chance of getting breast cancer again Mm. than to keep them for the chance to get it again. Um, so I decided to do a double mastectomy, which I don't, my doctor wasn't surprised, but I don't think that was something she was necessarily expecting, um, for me to do, but I, I had decided pretty early on that that's what I wanted to do. Um, but that is a big surgery. Uh, a mastectomy in general is a big surgery. Um, and then a double mastectomy, you know, it does take time for your body to heal. I was very naive to how difficult the coming back from the surgery would be um just because I'd never really had major surgery before this was the first time Mm -hmm. um but the surgery itself brought a lot of stuff for me um so I'll go into the surgery first um I had to have the surgery at the end of January Mm -hmm. um So it was January 31st, I believe my uh, surgery was scheduled for. And then that morning when I went into the, uh, to the hospital, 
Um, I had to go for like a bunch of tests that morning. Um, and at that point I was taking off from work for six weeks. I had saved enough, um, I'd saved enough days off that I could get, stay out of work for six weeks. Um, but I had like literally thrown myself prior to the surgery, thrown myself into making lesson plans for every single day. Um, so that the teachers that were taking over for me for those six weeks didn't really have to think about anything. I had literally done everything for them. Um, and that was me needing something to do, needing something to take my mind off of everything. Cause I could have easily asked them to right. teach, you know, to come up with things for those classes, but I wanted to do it all. So I did it all. Um, and that was me throwing myself into it. Um, and then I did the surgery and I, um, I go in for the surgery that morning. I had to go for a bunch of tests and I go in for the surgery and I'm like regretting it a little bit because again, I've never had major surgery before. Mm -hmm. So this was a lot, you know what I mean? Like I was like, what did I get myself into? How difficult is this really going to be? And then before I know it, they're giving me anesthesia and I'm out. Mm. Um, and I wake up and I was actually, uh, I wake up in like the, you know, the space where they hold you over until they can get a, a hospital room for you. Um, mm. So I was in that room and like my mom is standing there and my dad is standing there and I'm still like, like recovering from the anesthesia and the surgery and I'm really out of it. Mm. But I do recall not being super nice to my dad. <laughs> I was like, why are you here? And he was like, uh, because you just had surgery. And I was like, you don't need to be here. LOL. <laughs> so I had to apologize to him later. I was like, I really don't know why I was being like that. I was like, I don't know why. Um, but yeah, so we had to wait there for a few hours. Mm. And then um, they finally got me a hotel room and of course my mom was gonna stay which I told her not to because she was gonna have to sleep in the hospital chair in the room <laughs> with me um but she stayed anyway and I all I wanted to do that night was sleep and I understand that nurses have to do this this is not I'm not blaming them for anything they did their job and they did it well but they have to come in like every couple hours and check on you um, and it wakes you up every single time. And all I wanted to do was sleep. And every couple hours, someone would be taking my blood pressure, doing this, doing that, checking the catheter, doing like all these things. And I, all I wanted to do was sleep. Mm. So they told me that I was probably going to be in the hospital for a couple, couple of days. Um, they said three days, probably two nights, two days at least. So I woke up that next morning and I was like, I'm making it my mission to get out of here today. I did not <laughs> want to be there anymore. I did not, I did not want to have to go through another night that I wasn't sleeping. Um, mm. So my surgeon came in and I said to her, I was like, I really want to go home today. Uh, can I do that? And she was like, well, she was like, I would say no. She was like, but you look like you're doing okay. She was like, if you can walk by the end of the day, if you can get up on your own and walk, then I will let you leave. 
So mm. all day I made everyone that came to visit me or any of the nurses that were around that didn't have a lot going on at the moment. I like asked them to take me for walks <laughs> so that I could get up and out of the chair and like, like get back to being myself again. Um, I would make them like help me do my arms above my head and like things like that, that I knew that my doctor would be looking for in order to let me leave. Mm. Um, cause I did not want to be there another night. I refused. So I was like, I'm, I'm ma like making this my goal to leave here today. Mm. So by the time my doctor came back in later that day, <laughs> I was doing everything myself. I had barely taken any of the pain medication. Um, and I think she was really surprised. She was like, oh, you didn't take any of the pain medication. I was like, oh, I'm good. Which, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't really great, but I was okay. <laughs> oh, my I God. I wasn't really thriving, but I was fine. You um, were like, you were like um, us on the bike in Amsterdam when we just fell over, but it was like fine. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> not thriving. Not but. thriving, but fine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so... <laughs> So I made it my goal. I was like, I need to leave here. Um, so when she came mm. in, she was really surprised. She was like, can you lift your arms like to shoulder level? And so I did it. And she was like, okay. She was like, mm. uh, can you walk? So I got up out of the chair myself and I walked and I did. And she was like, okay, I guess I can let you go. <laughs> mm -hmm. So she signed me out to go. I left probably around six o'clock that evening. Um, and I was just so happy to be going home, going back to my bed, going home, just going home in general. Mm. Um, so my dad drove, drove me from the hospital home. My mom had her own car. Um, and he had to like buckle me in, do the whole thing. Cause I really couldn't like pull or push or do anything. So he had to let me into the car, get me out of the car. Um, and then I uh, just wanted to go to bed. That's what I remember. I just wanted to go to bed because I hadn't slept well the night before and I was so exhausted. Mm. So they put me to bed probably around seven o'clock that night and I slept so well to the next morning when I realized I couldn't get up out of bed myself um, because they don't want you to use your elbows to like push yourself up. Right. And I was yelling. So I like, called my dad on his phone. Luckily, I could reach my cell phone. And I was like, hi, where are you? And he's like, oh, I stepped out to go grab lunch. And I'm like, well, I need to use the bathroom. And nobody's <laughs> here to help me out of bed. I was like, so I don't know how I'm supposed to get up. And my dad came in. He's like, I just didn't think you were going to be up anytime soon. And I was like, well, you would think that I'd be oh up at some God. point and you needed to come help me. Um, but yeah, so it was just like a lot of that kind of stuff, like where I just needed help really doing anything. I couldn't carry my dog. Uh, I couldn't uh, carry my laptop. I couldn't like do a lot. Um, so that was uh, kind of annoying. And then it um, became worse uh, that week, I feel like, uh, after, like right after it happened, right after the surgery. Uh, I... I think I went through what I would call like a mini depression. Um, and this is the way I describe it to everyone. I don't, I don't know if this is like the correct, you know, diagnosis for what, you know, I went through and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just me kind of saying what I was going through and calling it something. 
Um, but I went through a time where I was just very upset um, and just felt like everything was crumbling down at that point. And I realized it was mostly because I had never dealt with any of the, the diagnosis or anything like that when it was happening. I pushed it off. I planned, I planned, I planned because that's my personality. Um, so I didn't feel overwhelmed or anything at the time. Like when I was going through chemo and everything, everybody would be like, oh, you're handling this so well. And I really was, but I was suppressing a lot of emotions about it. So when I finally had so much time on my hands, which I did after the surgery, because I couldn't drive, I couldn't go anywhere, I couldn't do anything. Um, I had so much time that all I could do was think and think and think. And it just, all, all of the events of the last six months, all of the emotions that I had not been dealing with, they just all came to the surface. And I texted my therapist at that point, cause I'd been seeing a therapist for a couple of years. Um, and I texted her and I was like, I really need to come see you today. And she was like, okay, like I can make an appointment for you at three o'clock or whatever the time it was. Um, so I went into my brother's bedroom and I was like, I need you to drive me to my therapist, like in a half hour. And he was like, okay. So he took me and, uh, I just, I just sobbed in her office because I just felt like I wasn't myself anymore. Mm. I felt like the person I had been a year ago was just not the person I was then. I looked at pictures of myself from prior to my chemo diagnosis. And I was like, I don't even know who that girl is anymore. Mm. She like so many things had happened. I just looked different. I felt different. I was different. And it just made me very emotional and very upset. And that's something that still bothers me. And I definitely am still talking about it in therapy because it is something that to this day is still upsetting to me. Um, just because I feel like we all transition from the person we were in high school and college and then young adulthood into, you know, regular adulthood and all of that. Um, But my transition, it was mainly this cancer that transitioned me. And it's such a different perspective looking at myself at 22 and then looking at myself at 24 and what I was going through it's just vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that transition was, was really hard for me. And, and like I said, like, even if I look at pictures of like you and I and like Amsterdam and stuff, I look at myself and I just don't feel like I know that girl anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that I've really had to wrestle with a lot. And that's something that has bothered me a lot. Um, so that's where I tend to get more emotional Uh, because it's the after effect of the cancer. It's not even the cancer itself. It's everything it did to me and everything it took from me. Um, but then it also gave me a lot. So I I am the person I am today because of that. So I am thankful for what it gave me. Um, so that's where I, I get confused. I feel like I, I wrestle with who was I and who am I? And what caused all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really went through like that mini depression where I just felt 
terrible. I just sobbed and sobbed by myself um, and just felt like I couldn't talk to anyone about it. Um, couldn't really deal with it myself. I, I definitely didn't want to tell my mom because I didn't want her to get emotional about it. Um, so I just kind of kept it to myself. And luckily I did have my therapist to be able to talk about that with. Um, because if I hadn't, I probably would have, it probably would have lasted a lot longer than it did. Um, because then once, uh, the surgery was, once I started be, being able to like go out and do things, like I could get dressed again by myself and things like that, I didn't feel as like hopeless anymore. It felt like I was starting to have some sort of normalcy in my life again. Um, and that was something that I needed. Uh, so my family, my friends, everyone was so great during that time. Like, I can't even tell you how many appointments my brother had to take me to and like had to sit through. And like, even uh, once I had um, the mastectomy and everything, but I had to keep going to see my plastic surgeon um, to, you know, do things like that. And uh, <laughs> I remember a couple of times she like had to stick this huge needle into my boobs to do something with the, um, you know, with, after the surgery and I almost passed out and my brother had to like come in and get me and like <laughs> all of this stuff. So they were, <laughs> everyone was so great during this. Like, honestly, my friends and my family, like they all took turns taking me to chemo, um, just doing the whole thing. Like I never went to chemo with like one person. It was always like multiple people, my cousins, right. my grandfather, my aunt and mm -hmm. uncle, my mom, my dad, my brother, like somebody was always with me mm -hmm. um so that was great um and then I have literally uh had a great life since then so I can't complain at all mm -hmm. um I made it my uh mission after after I got done with chemo and after my surgery that I was going to travel a lot which is uh one of my passions so uh, the summer after chemo, so it was about six months later, um, I went to, I did like a whole summer of just traveling. I spent a lot of money, but I just traveled the world. <laughs> I went to uh, Mexico with my mom, that trip that we were supposed to go on the year before. We did it finally that year. Mm. Um, I went to Hawaii with one of my best friends, and I went to Seattle with one of my other friends. Um, so we did like, I had like a whole summer. I was like getting off of a plane for like a week and then back on a plane. Um, but that was just something I just love traveling. And so I was like, you know what? I don't like tomorrow is not guaranteed for any of us. But I think once you have a diagnosis like that, it just becomes so much more real to you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to spend my money on traveling, that's what I'm going to do. And if that means that I struggle a little bit next year for some money, then that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to do it. Mm. Um, so I did, and, uh, I don't regret it at all. Traveling is, is something that I do love and I love seeing new cultures and things like that. Um, and so I've been traveling since obviously with Corona at this point, um, <laughs> I'm not traveling all that much. Um, <laughs> traveling uh, to the refrigerator. <laughs> exactly. That's um, my travels. But, so yeah, I was traveling a lot. The living room to the refrigerator was all I do all day. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I traveled a lot and I have spent a lot of time with friends and family. 
Um, like I said, I bought a house recently, so I uh, mm. am happy about that. Um, I have had some not so good relationships and now I'm in a really great relationship. So that has come um, for me. Uh, I feel like it'd be a whole other episode at this point. Yes. <laughs> um, just all the crappy relationships that I've been through. We should um, do. And then <gasps> where it kind of led me to. We should fucking do an episode because you wrote a short story. I did. Yes. Yeah. I did. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Yes. We could do that. We could do that. Yeah. So I definitely, um, definitely have been at like, my lowest of lows but also my highest of highs since my cancer diagnosis um so I just feel like it did give me a lot I am much more aware of uh my life at this point and just like taking care of myself um I am very particular about like the food that goes into my body doesn't mean I don't allow myself to have fast food or chips or oreos every once in a while but like all the food that I store in my house is organic and you know mm. I'm always looking out for non-toxic products and uh trying to be you know aligned with what's going to be best for my body in the future and now mm-hmm. but mainly in the future because I just don't think that we think about all those things all that much I mean I think it's becoming more popular to think about it that way Um, But I don't think a lot of people actually take into account what they put in their body, what they put on their body. Um, And so that was something that was important for me because they don't really know where my cancer had come from. I didn't have it in my family at all. I don't carry the gene for it because they tested me to find out if I did carry the gene for it. And I don't. Um, So they didn't really know where it came from. My doctor had just said it was probably hormonal and your body um, didn't, didn't know how to handle the hormones. So cancer came of that. Um, So the more I thought about that and I was like, well, where am I getting all these extra hormones from? Um, And the more I like researched it, the more I realized how much it's in our environment. It's in our food. It's in our beauty products and things like that. So I literally have made like a clean sweep of all of that, all my beauty products. Um, you know, obviously deodorant was one of the first things I got rid of, um, and started using natural deodorant. Um, and you know, clean sweep of my food products and things like that, because I was very aware that there is a chance that I was getting that getting it from that. Now, I don't know for a fact, that that's what was happening and I don't know for a fact that doing all of this is helping but it makes me feel better because it makes me feel like I am preventing it at some point Mm. if it doesn't work it doesn't work but I'd rather at least try um I don't drink alcohol that much I never really drank it all that much anyway but I don't drink it as much as I used to um I still like I'm still a social drinker so when I'm out with my friends I will definitely be drinking Mm. Um, but I definitely don't drink as much and as often as I used to, because they do say that that can be linked to it as well. Um, but who knows how accurate that is also because my friend's mom has had breast cancer twice and doesn't drink at all. So it really, at this point, we, nobody knows. It's just sort of, you know, whatever you can do to try to prevent it. Um, 
and so that's what I do, but I still enjoy my life. I still get Chick-fil-A every once in a while and, uh, you know, try to, you know, enjoy drinking with my friends on a Friday night. Um, but I, I'm definitely more aware of it now, I would say. Mm, I... So yeah, so that is pretty much my story. Um, I, like I said, it did take a lot away from me, but it also gave me a lot. And I, I think I've learned a lot. Um, my advice to people would be, um, just because they say that you're young enough, you don't need to get a mammogram or you don't need to be concerned about it. If you have the insurance that can cover it, or you have the extra money to, to cover it yourself, I just say, go for it. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt to be proactive about it, even if you're, um, just don't, you know, just want to be proactive and you just want to make sure that nothing's going on that you're not aware of. Mm. Um, I also think it's important that we talk to our doctors and that they listen to us. Um, so if you are feeling something and you know, something's not right with your body, you're the only one that's going to know that your doctor is only going to hear your symptoms. Um, so be proactive for yourself there as well. Like advocate for yourself. If you think that the doctor is wrong, go get a second opinion. Make them give you tests. If they don't want to, tell them that they have to write it down, that you asked for one and they wouldn't give it to you. And most of them will give it to you after that because they don't want it in writing that they, they told you no. Um, so those are like my biggest pieces of advice. Um, and then my other thing is, is honestly get a therapist because mm. even if I hadn't been going through all of that she is still like the best part of my weeks um when I get to talk to her even if nothing is going on even if there's nothing in my life that is like spiraling out of control it's still nice to be able to talk about the annoying stuff on Monday or you know what I mean like the random stuff that happens throughout your day um but honestly in times of need like that, she has been uh, someone that I know I can go to um, and really discuss everything that bothers me, which is great. Mm. So, um, so yeah. Oh, oh, I could say a million things. The first thing I'm going to say is thank you so much for just sharing, sharing it all. Like, straight from the heart. Um, I, like I said, when we kind of paused earlier, like, I so appreciate you speaking your truth and sharing your story because selfishly for me, it helps me to put me in my mom's shoes and like see what she moved through. And um, she was only 32, I believe, when she got diagnosed. And then, I mean, she passed when yeah. she was 34 and no one ever talked about it and I've never heard her journey and so this is literally the first story I'm hearing and it's like the first time I've been able to connect with my mom in this way so like for me selfishly and I'm sure for anyone who else whoever's listening like it's everything you shared is so valuable sister and your story and just thank you thank you thank you um and then the next thing is... Well, thank you for letting Oh, yeah. Continue. Sorry, I didn't no. mean to interrupt you. No, I didn't know if you were going to say anything, so I awkwardly paused for you to go, and then I was like, oh, <laughs> she has nothing to say. <laughs> uh, <sighs> no, you're so welcome. And then, um, you know, the next thing, like, Alex, I had no idea you had a double mastectomy. 
Mm-hmm. I I mean, I had no idea. Yeah, so I can only imagine. I've never gone through any type of surgery. I mean, again, major surgery like you were saying, and then the whole just story. I can only imagine the rehabilitation period and like such a different mindset from like. I mean, you're an athlete, right? It's such a different mindset, like building yourself yeah. up, like physically and it. Yeah, just everything you you shared. Um, oh, I could go on and on and on. Um, but those are the first two points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think being an athlete kind of helped me a lot because I honestly I also have a higher threshold for pain. I think, um, <laughs> like I'll always like complain that I'm in pain, but for the most part, I can like muscle through stuff, and I think that that helped me a lot because I really didn't take a lot of pain medication. They gave me prescriptions for pain medication. Mm-hmm. I took ibuprofen instead, and I only took it every once in a while. And honestly, I made it through the surgery and like the aftermath of it fine as far as pain goes. Like obviously it hurt, but it wasn't anything I couldn't manage. Um, but I, I always like, I always like don't want to tell people because um, I've had people like come up to me that are going through it um, and are like, "How was the surgery?" And I'm like. I don't want to tell you that it's going to be great and you're going to be fine because I felt okay. Um, Because I don't want to give like false hope that it's not going to be painful because I, you know, I might experience pain differently than someone else. Um, So I always like get nervous telling people like, Oh yeah, I didn't really use any pain medication because I don't want them to feel like they have to like also do that. So I, yeah, I, um, I love how I've always, I mean, that's why we vibed because we like get perspective, right? It's not just like our way or the highway. So I just really appreciate you sharing it like that too. (laughs) Um, thank you. And that also like was another point that I wanted to bring up that like kind of going back to the sports thing, because I can't even imagine the transition like you had like kind of that loss of identity right and like Mm -hmm. you played sports so you were feeling that but like also didn't really like get to honor that on top of what you were moving through in the other way so like this goes to the point of therapy as well of like how like mind fucky that can be right just playing Mm -hmm. with all of the emotions and not even realizing like when we go through it like that how much it does affect us until like however long after and you're like oh shit and so like I really appreciate you being so open and sharing and especially the therapy thing Uh, like all of the last things you said about the the nutrition um and like the the Mm -hmm. products and the therapy like I've like right now and I I don't know it might be because I'm playing around with Bridget Rose and really connecting, you know, with my mom more and more and opening up more to these breast cancer stories. But like, I am finding such deep resonance with like, maybe I shouldn't like drink. I'm not, I don't drink a lot, but like when I do drink, my mind goes to like, why do I even like want to do this right now? Like, does this really like serving my body, you know? And just like all of those things. Um, that you shared what what was the other thing but yeah so again all over the place but I I resonate with everything that you shared um so yeah yeah I mean like I definitely don't want to tell people like don't enjoy your life I still want 
people do enjoy their lives. I still enjoy mine. Um, but I've also never been a big drinker anyway. So that doesn't really bother me to not drink often. Um, like I said, when I'm, I'm, I'm a very social drinker. So like if my friends are all around and they're all drinking, I will definitely drink. If they're all around and they're not drinking, I won't drink. And I'm fine with that also. Um, when my boyfriend and I are home, we don't really drink that often. We have alcohol in the house, but like, I don't really drink all that all the time. Um, but I used to have like a glass of wine after work on a tough day. And I just don't do that anymore. Um, and it is like, what is serving me? What is helping my body? And at a certain point, some things aren't. Um, but again, that doesn't mean that you cut it out completely. It just means that maybe you make some, some changes. Can I ask you like, because again, like with all of the non-toxic stuff and the alcohol mm -hmm. and like even the caffeine, like I've heard, you know, like how caffeine can affect you. Like there's so, they do say that caffeine affects, uh, breast cancer. It's linked somehow, but I think it's an excess amount of caffeine that most people are not having. Right. So like. Oh, thank you for saying that because I already peace of mind, like from where my mind's going, because for me, you know, my mm -hmm. mom, my mom be <laughs> passing away and like, I'm high risk. So it's like coming right. into my awareness right now. Like, what should I like switch? Like what? And I'm like getting this, just this like big, like pull to make these help like lifestyle changes anyways and like have been but again just really interesting yeah. and like for me it's so spot on right now so I guess like again selfishly and for whoever's listening like how can you how did you start switching and obviously because it's like well I had breast cancer I'm not fucking going back there hello Emily but um like how like in an overwhelming way did not overwhelming way you know did you start to kind of like, yeah switch over? so I um I wouldn't even say like duh Emily because honestly <laughs> I didn't do it right away like right. it wasn't right after I had breast cancer that I automatically just started doing it it was right. more like after I had, I had cancer and I had gone through it, I was like, Hey, like, why did I even get it in the first place? Like, that doesn't really make sense to me. Like they just, oh, what does that even mean? Um, and the more, and that's where it really started was with food more than anything else. Um, I started realizing that like, all right, dairy, dairy has a lot of hormones in it because they add hormones to dairy cows in order for them to produce more and, and do all of that. Um, and I was like, okay, so I'm going to either cut out dairy or um, make it organic. So for a while, sometimes I was doing almond milk, sometimes I was doing organic regular milk and all of that. Um, so that's kind of where I started. And then I started doing more organic other stuff. And I'm at a point now, especially because I have my own house, I think it's easier when you live by yourself to be able to do that unless everyone in your household is on board, which it's not always that easy. Um, but living, so you know, true. having my own house and being able to stock my own fridge and pantry, I was able to um, buy organic everything pretty much, um, organic spices, everything like that. But I would say the main things that people should be looking out for. Um, would be getting meat that is grass-fed and, orga and or organic, mm. um, like organic chicken, grass-fed beef, things like that, because those are really where you're going to get a lot of your hormones from, is your meat and your dairy. Um, so try to get organic all of that. 
And then the other thing that I would say to get organic is most of your processed food. If you're having processed food, which we probably shouldn't be having a lot of, um, a lot of the processed food, if you start looking into the ingredients, uh, it's actually quite scary why there's like 17,000 ingredients in like one item. Um, and it's not really necessary. You can find alternatives that are better for you. Um, so that's where I would say I would start if that's something people are interested in. And then it stems from there. The more you research, the more you're going to learn that like there are certain things you want to look out for. Um, at this point in beauty products, I think less is more. So less ingredients and less products. So I used to have like a 10 step, you know, regime for like my, my skincare. And now I'm at like a three step and all of those steps are much better for my skin. Mm. So it's, I think it's those simple changes. Uh, and then you start from there. And then once you're able to like stock up on stuff, you can start, you know, like if you run out of something, then you just buy organic the next time. Um, and I think that that's the easiest way to do it. Um, and then you try to look for um, better prices too. I know organic can be expensive and I know not everybody wants to do that. Um, mm -hmm. But I use Thrive Market and this is not an ad at all. They don't pay me for anything, but <laughs> I tell everyone about them because they deliver right to your door and they have all organic um, and other like lifestyle diets. They, can, they uh, have products that you can use for that but they also have their own brand and it's significantly cheaper than if you were to buy it organic in like Whole Foods or something like that. Um, don't get me wrong. I love a good Whole Foods, but it's not necessarily close to me and uh, I like to save money. So there's that too. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I've been, I would say that that's a good place to start. Mm, I love that. And it sounds like you are a spokesperson of Thrive Market. So they do need to sponsor you. <laughs> um, they do need to sponsor me. Let them know. And that is just really good. I literally just got a coupon for Thrive Market. And um, it's really funny, go. like how much we not I don't even want to say we because I don't want to say that everyone does this but like how much I'm like oh my god I don't have money I don't have money and then when you look around at how much again not we I look around at how much shit I spend money on in the processed food section of like because I don't have time mm. or it's not like you know I don't have time it's just going to be quick I'm just want to snack like right now right. like it's such a fucking scam. Like it would be so much easier for me to just like sit down and, um, you know, just order delivered right to your door. And <laughs> so, right. um, I, yeah, just thank you so much for sharing that. Um, yeah, absolutely. It gives a little more, again, selfishly myself permission to ease into this new journey. Like I'm in myself with just my own health and noticing and awakening again, I also think like too, that because I'm like getting closer to my mom's age of like when she was like mm. feeling thing, I don't even want to say feeling, yeah. but like, you know, I feel like that's an energy that I'm walking into here these next few years. And like, I'm really want to like, feel like grounded and healthy and like stable and that when those things do come up. So, um, I think that's a really important like thing that you are making note of too mm. thank you and that goes like 
hand in hand, I think, with one of the last points because this episode is probably three hours long. So I'm going to listen to it <laughs> over and over again. But um, we'll start to wrap it up here. But like, I think that yeah. the last point of the- of therapy, um, I'm like ready to get into therapy. And I love, I've always loved how open you are about talking about it and like how you're there. You're like, yeah, I want, I, I need, I want to call my therapist. Like, I can't wait to go talk to her this week. And like one of you and like one of my other best friends from Hilo, like always so openly talk about therapy. And I think that is such a supportive space for, um, number one like for me to be able to open up and like again hear hear your story with it um and how much it's Mm -hmm. helped you and just like for everyone else that's listening just the stigma and I don't think there is such a stigma anymore on like that mental health and therapy and asking for help and support but I'm sure there still is um so I just really appreciate you bringing that up and I'm excited to I think tomorrow, I am tomorrow going to spend some time looking at um, places in my area to start. Well, that's great. I mean, I, like I said, I always tried to be open about it because to me, it shouldn't be something that has a stigma to it. But I know a lot of older generations um, definitely do still think that it's like crazy talk to go to a therapist. Um, and I won't dive into this too much because I actually do have a call with my therapist in like three minutes. So <laughs> before I go into this long tangent <laughs> about her, um, I'm just going to say like what I say to all of my students and everyone, I try to make it very well known that I see a therapist, not because I want everyone to know that I do, but for everyone to know that it's okay that you do if you do, or that maybe you should, because honestly, like I said, even if it's just a regular Tuesday, which is, is today, I'm going to be talking to her and there's probably not a lot going on in my life right now that I need her. Um, but the, the fact that I can go like talk to someone who's non-biased and will give me their time for an hour in based on any of the people I'm talking about or any of the events in my life is just such a helpful thing for me. And it's something that I really look forward to. Like right now I haven't been seeing and we do like these virtual calls. And honestly, like I hold on to stuff to talk to her about. I'm like, oh, I gotta remember this when I talk to her in two weeks. Um, just because I'm like, this is really bothering me. I need to talk about this. And sometimes something that I didn't even know was bothering me that comes out. Um, so I think that that's really important. And like I said, I have a, a call with her like right now. So <laughs> I'm going to have to hop off. Um, but I think therapy is, is great. I think it's really important that people acknowledge it. And even if it's not a terrible time in your life, but you want to talk to somebody, I think it's something worth doing. So. Oh, well. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you found value, if you loved what you heard, if you just want to go show Alex some love and celebrate her for her and her journey, make sure to go over to the Fill Your Cup podcast on Instagram, to Alex over on Instagram, Girl With A Full Life. Go add both of us. Take a screenshot. Tag us in your screenshot and let us know that you were listening 
again go show Alex some love celebrate her for her journey that she has been on and that she you know we're all on our journey still um and that she is still on and yeah thank you so much again for tuning in until next time feel your cup family